The following interview was recorded at the National Youth At Risk Conference in Savannah, Georgia. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sound Bombing. I created this show for people who want to experience a radical, life-changing journey through the sounds of my diverse guests. I hope that each sound you hear on this show will strengthen your faith, encourage your dreams, and challenge you to awaken the greatness within you. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. We're going to drop the bomb. We're going to drop the bomb. We're going to drop the bomb. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. Hey, Sound Bombing community. This is me, your man, Dr. Lamar Darnell Shields. I am back again. I am at the National Youth At Risk Conference. And I've been coming to this conference for about 15 years now as a facilitator. And every so often, some new people swing into the building that we meet in other places who is doing some amazing work. And one of those beautiful people is sitting right across from me. I got a chance to interview her partner, uh, Jeffrey, a while ago. And I promised myself, I don't know if I promised her that I wanted to get her on the show. But I knew it would be very unique because she's a different type of spirit. She's a New Yorker. She has, a, she has an acting background. So I had to do this with her in a different space. And you're not on the telephone. Who am I talking about? Julia Gabor, who is the mindful co-founder of Kid Grit. She is a world-renowned traveler, a youth service provider. She's a change agent. She does have an acting background. She's going to talk about that, all the great things that she's doing. She's making faces at me right now. I'm so glad that she's here. Always rocking the dope kid grit gear i'm a little jealous so julia welcome to sound bombing how are you i'm good i'm so excited thank you so much i can't contain myself that's the kind of person i am so it's funny i told her to stop you know most people most of the women that come on the show when we have a table there i don't know why you all have your hand you should see it julia has her hand on her hips moving around you can be free just don't hit the dog on microphone so welcome to welcome to savannah thank welcome you. to the national that risk conference what are your thoughts about being here uh, and I know you're going to be presenting tomorrow. So first of all, what are your first thoughts? Well, it's super exciting. I always think that the people in Georgia are the nicest people I ever met in my life. Um, I have been to this conference over 15 years ago. When oh, I, so you've been here before. When I worked with the Tiger Woods Foundation. Uh, wow. Doing some character education curriculum. So I, it's been a long time. And when you and I saw each other at another conference and you said, you all need to be down here. I was like, oh, I forgot about that conference. And you're right. I mean, this is a perfect fit for what we're doing. So we're really excited. So I know you haven't presented yet, but just talk about some of the people that you've come in contact with thus far, the type of spirit, the energy that's here. I know many of us are dealing with this whole virus that's taking place across the country mm-hmm. and conferences are being canceled. But let's talk about the spirit that you that you feel in this space. Um, I feel like people are really excited. They're grateful. You know, they're coming here looking for resources. There are a lot of people who are doing the work, you know, in our space, like the youth development work where 
you know, kids are looking for solutions. They don't know how to ask for them. They uh, don't have their own resources. And these are social workers. These are nonprofit organizations that are looking for solutions to help kids become successful or get out of high trauma situations. Um, so it feels very positive and energetic because there's a need. And like you in your company and ours, we have solutions for them. So it's pretty exciting to be in a place where you're wanted. So we're going to talk about some of the solutions uh, that you all are rolling out with CareGrid. But before we get into that, I want to get into the Julia mind. Before you start doing this work, and when I met you, I'm like, do you have a theater background? Not because she's like a drama queen. I'm not talking about that. But just her energy is infectious. Tell me your story. Tell our listeners about who you are and your story before you got to start doing okay. this work. Thank you for asking. I'm pretty interesting. So, <laughs> no, Let me just okay, tell you wait, something about uh, that word. I have a... That word interesting has always been interesting to me. Like, for example, let's just say you and I were about to go out and your best friend says, I, I really like Lamar. He's very interesting. Like that word interesting is always interesting to me. Uh, so when you say you have an interesting background, explain what that means. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say different. Okay. You know, people are always kind of like surprised when they hear how I grew up, where I grew up, uh, the history of my parents and the way that they raised me. So um, people don't believe a lot of the stories I tell them about the way I grew up. So I always say, oh, I have an interesting background. <laughs> so how did you grow up? What so makes it interesting? I grew up um, in the lower part of Manhattan in the 1970s. And my parents divorced. Both of them were artists. So if you know anything about... You had two artists in the 70s, New York. Did you hang out at Greenwich Village a lot? Yeah, that's where I grew up. You grew up in the lower village. Lower East Side. Lower we, East Side. We call it the LES. Okay. If you're from any of your listeners from there, they'll be like, oh, she knows, right? So <laughs> I'm from the LES. Um, and um, my father was a freelance writer. And my mother is a director and an acting teacher. So um, when they divorced, I was in public school. I was the kid who had a backpack every weekend going on a city bus at six years old from one side of town to the other, uh, packing my own bags, taking care of myself. And if you look around today, you don't see kids by themselves on public transportation at six years old. So that's the first time people go, oh, man. Like, wow. Which was natural to you. Like yes. me growing up in Chicago, sending a kid walking down the street, seven, eight years old. It's not a big Like I wouldn't send my son to the store. Hey, go to the corner store and pick Not up anymore. some noun ladies and some Skittles and, and right. some Doritos. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's a different time. So you it grew up during that time. time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually right before the kidnapping or the missing kid, Aton Pates, got. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a big thing in New York. He yeah. was in my nursery school. So um, we know his family. Like, that's where I grew up in Soho, Greenwich Village, Lower East Side. Okay. So um, also, when I was about six years old, uh, my father um, had a showingly big addiction to alcohol and he was a little bit distant from raising a child um, and at the same time my mother had been given a grant uh, from the government called CEDA where it was uh, teaching arts in prisons and she did a, a theater piece with the inmates in a state penitentiary in New York and she fell in love with one of the inmates and when he came out came and lived with Like us. she literally fell in love, like. No, he was like my father. So he was a brother from Harlem with gold chain. I like how when she hair. said the brother, y'all should see how she pumped her fist for those who can't see oh. the visual. <laughs> like a brother. <laughs> but he had long pinky nail, a gold chain, silk shirt, picking hair. And he took, a, he used to corn roll my hair. I used to roll up one of my leg sleeves and I would like, 
hop down the street with him. Like he was everything. So maybe that's where LL got the LL used to roll that one sleeve yeah, up. The New East York, Coast, you East know, Coast, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, in the meantime, my father was in a different circle in publishing and met a woman who he fell in love with that was in a arranged marriage because there was a lot of financial. Um, backings for both of these people in the 60s and they didn't really love each other so they decided in the 70s to have an open marriage and they weren't going to get a divorce so why do i feel like i'm listening to like a lifetime like i'm waiting for oprah to come out this is a lifetime hallmark that is amazing well it gets better and that's this is your upbringing keep going yes so so the woman who he was in love with she didn't really like kids she was from england she had british accent so lots of money british accent and she didn't like kids. So when she would come visit to New York, she said, you know, in your one bedroom apartment to my father, why don't we rent the apartment next door, give her a set of keys. Her so, is the you. N- yes. You're the yeah, her, yes. okay. That's okay. what the girlfriend said. She said, let's get Julia in the other apartment so that we don't have to be around her so they could carry on by themselves. So then I'm 11, I have the keys to my own apartment. My mother in, and her boyfriend, I'm trying not to use their names, yeah, indeed. right? He's right from Harlem. And I have these two very different worlds going on. So when you ask me my story, I say, like, what do you think is happening to a kid like me from a divorced home with not a lot of money and a father who has a substance abuse problem with a woman who doesn't like the daughter around? Like this kid is feeling a lot of things, you know, and some of them are not very positive. But then I got a lot of freedom as a teenager, and my life was my own, really, and I was precocious enough to know. Uh, I that love that word. I've always loved the word precocious. precocious. I love that word. word. Yeah. Love so, that. and precocious is an interesting word because it really showed, like, the kid like me, I already knew how to take care of myself when I was 12 years old. So, I was running the streets 12, 13, 14, 15. I did everything you're not supposed to do before the age of 18 years old. I was really on my own um, and uh, could have gotten into a lot of trouble uh, and I did manage to keep a B minus average. That was my precociousness where if it was a tell to my mother if you didn't have a high enough grade something was wrong and if I just stayed B minus I'd slide by and I did. So I got into college and I went to State University at Fredonia in New York, near Buffalo. And I went up to college, like big hair, 86, big hair, my own gold chain, smoked Newports, right? <laughs> like, and I was like in an all-girls dorm my first year. It was, the girls were like in flannel nightgowns. They set their hair in curlers. They were teddy bears. And they were like very different kind of person to me. And uh I had a real culture shock, um, but uh, I made it through those four years. And when I came out, I was like, you know what? I got a message for kids. Like I was a theater major and I was like, I'm going to teach acting and like theater games to kids for leadership and self-esteem because I think kids need to know that they have choices. And I didn't make some of those choices growing up. Like I, my, my teenage years, I'm not coming from a place of like, oh my God, feel sorry for me. I'm coming from a place of like, I did some things that were really dangerous. And if I had a little bit more help here or there, maybe it would have been different for me um, because I was really fighting being alone, not feeling loved, um, and at times really painful, so I was really acting out. Uh, I mean, I was a bully. I I fought. um, I hurt people, like, physically. So how did your upbringing, and thank you for sharing that and being transparent, 
how did that upbringing prepare you to not only just to create the Kid Grit organization and books and things that you're doing, but how did it prepare you for life? And then I want you to talk about the company that you guys started okay. then. Um, I mean, all those lessons, you know, um, all those lessons are, are life opportunities for learning, right? Like even the worst times, pain, um, things that you struggle with, uh, being down and out. If you're an educator, you look at it and go, what did I learn from that? What did I learn, right? I'm, I'm always a learner, right? What is it? I'm always a student. And so I've been very independent most of my life, and I've been able to do things for myself most of my life. So those skills where I felt victimized before, like, oh, my God, no one's paying attention to me. My father doesn't love me. I'm just going to get mad and do drugs or, you know, that switches to look at how many skills I have now because I had to raise myself. Um, and so that's really, we say, like, that's my why. Like, why do I do what I do and work with youth and create programs so that you can thrive and feel important and feel seen and feel heard and feel valued and go to college or have a career? It's because I felt like I didn't really know those choices, and I want kids to feel like and understand that they, too, can have an opportunity even when it's painful not to be victimized by it but to be able to grow from it what didn't young julia receive that you're seeing that young students that you're coming across aren't receiving and how are you fulfilling that need that you didn't get and you're seeing the same thing with the young people that you come across Mm -hmm. so that's a good question because when we present a lot of things that we talk about if i tell my story i'll ask a group of educators what do you think julia needed what was going on and they'll say oh you know she needed love she needed family she needed structure she needed discipline and i say aside from technology and social media today do you think that kids need the same thing that julia needed 50 years ago and everybody in the room goes, yeah. And I'm like, so the way that kids feel when these things happen or their circumstances happen is the exact same way. Feelings are feelings. So we still have, we have to come up with new ways as educators all the time to engage them so that we're current, you know. And, um, and now we have to deal with the digital and social media consciousness and kind of awareness, which is something that we do really well, too. So now you've taken your entire story. And I just did a show on the power of story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, let's talk about Kid Grit. Okay. Let's talk about the creation. Let's talk about the name. Let's talk about the logo. Let's talk about what you're doing. You can start wherever you want to go. Let's let's start with the name Kid Grit. Okay. Um, so I have a partner. You mentioned him before you interviewed him, Jeffrey Jordan. Shout out to Jeff. Hey. Jeffrey. Um, and he uh, he is a certified holistic wellness coach. And we knew each other from childhood in a way that we didn't hang out, but he was playing in the parks. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have hung out with Jeff either. <laughs> I'm like, we're friends now, but we did not, be real clear, we did not hang out together. <laughs> yeah. um, but we were, we were playing in neighboring parks when we were growing up or hanging out. I don't know if I was playing, I was hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you clear he, that? Up? Yeah, he was a ball player. Um, I don't see too many people playing in New York. I see people in, mm-hmm. the, in the parks. I see them hanging out. So thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of knew of each other. We were Facebook friends. And I was in a bad way in one of my last jobs. And I had um, saw his... Um, posts on Facebook and he was running those groups you always see those happy groups those gratitude groups I was like what's going on like he said things like what's happening soul family and that just appealed to me and so I reached out to him and said Jeff what are you doing you know and he said oh I'm a certified holistic wellness coach I said what the heck is that like holistic wellness coach you know I had a life coach before and I've had a 
ball coach before, but so he told me what he was doing is working with adults and families on wellness through mind, body, and spirit. And I thought, that's beautiful. I, I would like that. Like, I've already had a lot of therapy. I don't need any more therapy, but I want to try this life coach with wellness. And so we started working together, and he also used to have a kids organization. So when you said starting to work together, did he become your coach? Yes. Oh, so he became your coach? Yes. Okay. And he was working with me. We were doing it virtually through Zoom, right? He was in New Jersey. I was in Los Angeles. We were meeting once a week. And I would say in the Zoom session, maybe around the sixth session, he said, man, I know you're not happy with the work you're doing right now, but I love the way you talk about kids and how you work with them. He said, I wish I was still doing it. I said, and I threw it out. I said, oh my God. I said, take your mind, body, and spirit stuff and make it into a kid's curriculum. And he looked at me and in that moment, Lamar, zzz, like energy through the interweb, we're staring at each other. He goes, I don't know much about writing curriculum, but I love what you said. And I said, I know how to write curriculum. I'm a youth development specialist. So we took the best of both of us. We took his kind of wellness and mindfulness and my youth development, social emotional learning background and we made a program. And um, while we were developing it, uh, I went looking online for wings. Like I was like, because he had a logo from his company that was a lotus flower that looked like wings and I have angels all over my apartment true story um, they're everywhere they're hidden and you see them because I've had a lot of angels in my life um, and we took that logo and we made we found an image that was kind of the best of both of who we were in an image and we talked about kid and grit and then angel wings like what that really meant like we we're working with kids um, so we're kid centered that's the focus and then grit is something that you hear educators say, man, my kids are not resilient. Like, they give up so easy. You know, they're very entitled or they're very apathetic. Are like you talking this. about my own children? I feel some judgment. You're talking about the Shields kids. <laughs> I don't know them, but Jeffrey's a really good coach. <laughs> um, yeah, but a lot of people, and it doesn't matter what background you come from anymore. This is a big problem with our kids. Like, they're just really apathetic and entitled, and it's not about Where does that you. come from? And were, and were you like that with your story? Mm -mm. No, you would never think that I was... Um, and, you know, I think when I was growing up, entitlement for poor folks, right? Like, uh, I mean, entitled were for rich folks. And so now, though, what I'm saying is that um, kids come from all different classes and races, and they're entitled. They feel like the world owes them something. Like, they walk around so like... So where, where do you think that that's coming from? In, I, in your really, work? I think it comes from technology and access to information. So access think, to technology, uh, you think parents, think parents play a role in entitlement? I think the lack of parenthood. So the lack of authentic parenting. Yeah, parents who are uneducated or grew up pissed off or angry about something. Like, you know, it's like get what you can, you know, or just look out for me right now. You know, ourselves, our family, it's our little block instead of the world and opening up the blinders and thinking of community as a family. Um, I think that poor parental guidance can have an impact, but I really think that the, the, the basis of is if devices become babysitters, if devices become the information that you get and you don't know how to decipher if it's true or not, and you see people on YouTube who are influencers and they're 16 years old and they get rich quick. The message for our children who don't have enough guidance is you could do that too and why do you have to go to school or continue your education or work hard for anything when other people are getting rich quick. Like that's the message. I don't believe it's true but I think that's what they see.
So when we first started, Julie, you talked about solutions being solution oriented. What solutions does the Kid Grit curriculum work that you and Jeffrey do? Um, let me back up. What problem are you all trying to solve? And then I think solutions sort of come out of that. Wow, that's such a good question because I feel like there's so many problems and um, it's so different for every educational community, Lamar. Like, you know, like uh, we're hired by districts to do special work intervention with English learners or native families where they're doing our activity and our approach with five-year-olds, 60-year-olds, and parents in the same household. Um, recently, we've been asked to work with transitioning foster youth. And so what problem we're trying to solve, I think it's really about building communication skills with families. And then uh, it's really like a self-awareness and an empathy that we want young people to have so that when they are faced with controversy or dilemmas or challenges that they can understand how they feel in those moments and then learn strategies on how to overcome anything that's stopping them from being successful. So how can our listeners get in contact with you to book you, to book your speaking engagements, reading your books, want to bring you on their podcasts and shows? What's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, I think our website does a good job, www.kid-grit. Dot com or um, info at kid-grit.com. So, Julia, it's been amazing to talk to you, to really sit down with you, to hear your story. And thank you for just being transparent and sharing that story. We don't know whose life is going to be changed by you being that transparent mm-hmm. about how you ended up where you were and what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the kids that you're coming across and the educators that you're coming across are really really excited so thank you for the work that you and jeffrey do and i love to see your partnership you have a beautiful amazing website i love the wings i love the concept so we i wish you much success so thank, thank you for joining you. me so today. humbled and honored for this opportunity thank, thank you, you so take much. care got you peace